Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's just something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy for this market? Would you like somebody to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies just like you accelerate in this market. Market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for the session. There's no obligation. There's no hard sell or anything like that. What I will guarantee you is I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. And if coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today to get started. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I'm coming to you with a special guest this week. We have Helene Johnson here, and she is going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. We get people all the time asking us about capture management and outsourcing it, and Helene, I think I've told you this, there's only a couple things that I always recommend people never do. And people are going to be like, why are you even talking about this on here? It's like, well, outsourcing your capture management is something I typically recommend people never do. And it's for one reason, because most people jump into it with the wrong expectations and they jump into it without preparation. And they really, they don't think about the company that's doing capture for them. They only think about the results they want for it. And so it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And so we're going to be talking about that today because I do think it can be very profitable for everyone involved, uh, but you've got to approach it from the right perspective. And so we're going to be talking about that today. But before we do that, I want to turn it over to Helene. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Michael. Well, it's good to be here. And I'm really happy to know that you tell people not to outsource capture. So I think that concludes our our uh, discussion today. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I um, am the president and CEO of Bid to Win Consulting, and we um, do capture along with business development, strategy, and all kinds of stuff. But today I want to talk to you about capture because that is my favorite thing to do, and um, I'm all about winning. And this is the best way to win to do really good capture. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I jokingly say that all the time about not doing it. And again, I, I just think it's expectations. People get in and say, well, I want the capture person to work on commission or a success based model or whatever fancy word they have. And I want them to deliver results in 30 days. And yeah. what do you mean they need to learn about my company and in order to be successful? And there's all these things. And I'm like, look, if you want this to work, there are steps you have to take. And if you're not willing to do them, then you shouldn't be getting involved in this. And, that, and that's really kind of true for anything in life, right? But it's one of those things where I, I think the expectations are so high on the company performing the capture for them that it it's a recipe for a lot of you know mistakes. And so I think this this podcast is actually great because it's going to help Again, we're always on the front end saying you're probably not going to do this right, so don't do it. But this is this is the way to do it right so that they can actually have a successful outsourced model. 
And so I really do believe in it when it's done properly. And so I, I think before we jump into, you know, how to outsource it properly, I, I think it's good to set the tone and maybe you can do that for us on your definition of what capture management even is. To me, capture is all about strategy and management. Whether you outsource capture or not, your capture manager generally does not have people working for them. So they their job is to get the project all the way through. Their job is to take it from something that was identified and they have to qualify it and they have to figure out how their company or their client, in my case, is going to beat the competition and get the, the customer to pick us and no one else. So it's all about the strategy and it's all about knowing who your competition is and it's all about knowing who your customer is. And it doesn't matter whether someone's outsourced or whether someone's inside of a company because if they're inside of a company, they still have to learn the same thing. They may know what your company does, but they don't know who the competition is and they don't know what the competition is going to say and they don't know what the competition is going to charge. They don't know any of that. Every opportunity is different. And every capture manager is different. Mm. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, you know, to me, it's whether you are outsourcing it, whether you're hiring a new sales capture, BD, whatever person you want to call them, they still have to learn the company. They have to learn right. the market. They have to learn all these things and the tools and, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. There is a ramp up that is needed. And the more complex it is, you know, if you're selling advanced IT services that are very complicated. Like I, I worked in the hosting industry for a period of time and somebody would come and say, Hey, well, we want to host, uh, you know, Microsoft SharePoint or whatever. I'm like, great. You know, there's probably 45 questions I need to ask you because it's not as simple as, well, okay, well, here's, you know, three plans to choose from. It's, you know, how many users do you have? And this, it can get very complicated versus somebody who's saying, well, um, you know, we need janitorial supplies or we need, right. you know, something else really, really simple that there's really one choice. It just comes down to price. You know, it's, it's very different and how you price that. You mentioned uh, price to win in, in earlier conversations. You know, there's so many, you know, facets to getting this right that they need to learn. And so that that to me is yeah. just really important. And, you know, it, to me. It, it boils down to a lot about the person themselves. And so, you know, what makes up a successful capture manager? To me, a successful capture manager is somebody who understands what needs to get done. However, they're not someone that is there to be liked. Um, they're not <laughs> like somebody that. that should be not liked, but they do need to work in the culture that you're working in. Because as I said earlier, no one works for a capture manager. So they have to learn how to get people to do what needs to get done. Um, a good capture manager has to have thick skin because sometimes um, they're going to ask people to do things. I mean, everybody's got full-time jobs, and then you're asking them to work off hours to help you with this capture while they mm. still have to deliver their duties. So, um, so I, don't, I don't know too many capture managers that are very popular because they're just <laughs> they're making people to do something that they're – it's outside of their normal job, maybe outside their comfort zone. So they have to have thick skin. They also have to have a good background. They have to have known or done the work that they're selling. Now, mm. they don't have to be experts at the technology, 
because you want to surround yourselves by people that are smarter than you. But you really do need to know project management or program management. You need to understand staffing. You need to understand all of the different components. You need to understand what it's like to be a contractor delivering the service to the government. Sometimes people hire people from the government who have never done capture and they're hmm. you know, deer in headlights. Yeah. So, um, so they have to really understand what it take, what you're selling. Not necessarily they have to understand the technology that you're selling, but they have to understand basically what you're trying to sell and to whom. So a good capture manager has to be a very good listener uh, because they're going to hear a lot of information, and if they continue to think that they know everything, they're going to stymie people that are supporting them. Hmm. They also have to be a good facilitator. Um, you want to draw out as much information as you can from people of all different calibers and all different uh, expertise. So I would say that, you know, I consider captures more like an orchestra leader hmm. where, you know, the whole everybody has to play together and they all have to be in sync. And the capture manager slash orchestra leader has to um, make sure that all of the different components are working together to the same goal. Yeah, no, that's a really good description. And I, I would say, you know, tell me what you think about this. When I think of capture managers in by definition, I feel like a lot of companies, whether they are smaller companies, larger companies, I feel like a lot of them confuse capture manager with salesperson or mm -hmm. proposal writer or like you can look at any of the roles and there there's probably like four or five roles that they confuse all into one. And some people will say, well, you know, my capture manager is really my sales guy or yeah. my capture manager is really my BD person or, or your program manager or whatever. They'll use, them. They'll use proposal man uh, program managers to be the capture manager, especially if it's a recompete. That's a recipe and disaster. Yeah. In and, my opinion. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I really think part of the, the flaw in all of this for people is misunderstanding what this person's role really is versus, mm -hmm. you know, what it, you know, what it should be. And so, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's part of the clarity we can bring here today. And as we talk about even, you know, how do you hire this? Cause I, th I think that's really the, the next piece is I probably need to understand the role better and you've described it very well because the biggest thing is, so how do I, how do I hire a capture consultant? How do I go about that? Right. Well, I can tell you one thing you don't do is you don't ask them what their P win is. Uh, how many, what is your record? You know, how many, how many captures have you won? And then someone says, Oh, 80%, 85%. And you're of what, you know, that's one of, I guess my pet peeve is it takes a whole company to win a deal, not a capture manager. Hmm. They can lose it or they can win it, but the team is behind them. Right. So that's one thing I would recommend you not do is worry about how many th how many deals they've won in the past. That makes them a good or bad capture manager. Yeah. But I would say that um, everyone has a specialty and everybody has a role to play in capture. So let's you mentioned the salesperson or the BD person. The salesperson, the BD person, they are the voice of the customer. They are supposed to tell us what the customer wants, they are supposed to know their customer better than anybody else. What, you know, the old, what keeps them up at night. Yep. You don't need your, you don't, if your capture manager is walking the halls of a customer, they're not going to be able to run the capture. Hmm. They need to know, they need to trust their business development person. If the business development person is business development and capture, they're going to spend a lot of time dealing with 
the minutia of a capture and they're not going to be living with their customer. They're mm -hmm. going to be shaping with their customer. So you really need a capture manager and a business development person to really do the trick. And a lot of these small companies, they don't have that. They, they, right. It's a lot of money to hire a business development person. Now you, now you got to hire a capture person. Well, you know, we have a way, we have some models that we've developed that will allow you to only use capture when you need a capture um, hmm. so that you're not paying the business development person and the capture person at the same time all day long. The proposal people and the capture people have completely different skills, completely. I would make a terrible proposal manager hmm. because a proposal manager has to be very detail-oriented. They have to be very graphically focused. They have to be able to look at what's being written and are you telling the story and are we pulling it through and are, are the graphics complementary and what's the anchor graphic and what's compliance and how mm -hmm. big should the font be and when is things due and all that stuff. We're capture people. We are good at the when are things due because we are very, very reliant on action items and action plans and capture plans. But to get down to the, we don't have the, most capture people don't have the patience to do proposals <laughs> because you really have to be very detail oriented. We tend to be more big picture oriented. While we're running a capture, we're looking for five other captures for your company that can complement what you're doing. As long as we're writing a, getting a proposal written, we might as well use it several other different places. Right. So capture people are strategists, and we are always looking for that next, the next deal. We're also looking for you're going after a recompete. What have you done two years out for that recompete? You know, can we get it better? If you've had some performance issues, we we've been known to be voice of the customer, where we'll go out and we'll talk to customers and we'll say, um, how's the company doing for you? We're, we're an independent person here. We don't work for the company. We just want to know how you're doing. Well, we're doing that because we want to make sure that in a year or two when they have to go for recompete that they're going to be able to do a recompete and they're going to be able to win. Which leads me to your second question, which is when do you outsource? Um, and what is the risk of outsourcing? Because you don't know, um, I think you asked this earlier, you don't really know the company. Um, and I agree with you there. The longer you keep a relationship going with your capture company, um, the better. And there are other things that cap companies that do capture can do to learn your company um, to make sure you're positioned right. And so I would say a long-term relationship is, is better than just having you know, oh, I've got a $20 million capture and i got to hire somebody. Let me find, let me go look Google. Right capture managers and I'll just hire somebody from the outside. That's um, that's not the best way to spend your money. You're better off Googling them early on and, and finding the ones you want and saying, all right, I want you to learn my company. I want you to learn my competition. I want you to learn all this stuff. And then in when you're ready, maybe two months or three months from then, uh, let's go after some captures. Meanwhile, my business development people are building the pipeline and they're out there um, identifying opportunities and we can um, maybe you can help them find out as much information as we can so that we know whether we should capture it or not yeah and uh, no I think that's a very good assessment of it because I was gonna say it's just like whether you're you're hiring a lawyer or hiring um, just about any role that's that's critical for something timely you never want to hire them after you've pressed the go button on something, you know, I, I see that too often where 
I have people that call us up and say, ah, gosh, you know, we, we need an attorney like tomorrow. We have to protest something and gosh, we, we've got an issue here. And like, well, how many days do you have left? We've got four days left. (laughs) And it's like, so you don't even have an attorney. No, we don't have anybody like, well, guess what? This is going to be a challenge and it's going to cost you a lot more for somebody to clear their schedule to have a conversation and learn your company in 24 hours to be able to pull this off. This is, this is going to be crazy. You know, it's best like everything in life, which no one wants to do is to get with that person, find somebody you like, which isn't that part of business, you know, finding somebody you actually like, cause you may interview three companies and not like two of them. So, you know, finding them, getting them to understand the company, I, I would suggest. So this is, this is me, the person that says never outsource, you know, with the caveat saying, if you're going to outsource, bring them on board when you don't have a project, let them learn the company, pay a, pay a fee to let them learn the company so that when that comes down the, the pike, you're ready. They know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Because my, my next question was going to be, what value should I expect from a capture manager? Because I, I know there's some people listening and they're like, so I've got a BD person. I've got somebody writing proposals. So what's the value this person's going to bring to the team? Because I, I, I know that's a question on, on people's mind. Sure. Well, I will tell you right now that I'm a BD person. So, you know, I've been doing Capture for about 25 years. Well, I've been a BD person for 25 years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've done everything from walking the halls. I've been on every association board. I've done a lot of golf. I've gained weight yeah. many, many um, hype, uh, happy hours. Um, I'm a BD person, and any capture person you get really has to be has to be a salesperson because mm. that's our job. Um, we sell. <laughs> uh, yeah. We figure out how to sell and how to win. We're all about winning it, but we are all BD people. So I would say that when you get when you want to have a capture person or people or company that you may outsource it to, it's the same as hiring an employee. You want to invest, as you said, a little bit of time up front. Um, you mentioned earlier about uh, companies want to have, have you get a bonus based on winning instead of paying for the capture and all of that. I, I always tell people, you, you do need to spend a little money to make a little money. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't try to figure out angles, you know, um, because if you find people that want to that will only get paid if you give them a bonus or you'll give them a little bit of money, but you'll give them a big bonus. They're going to only want to work on ones that you're going to win. Right. Sometimes you want to run captures on ones that you know you're going to lose because you want to invest in the agency. Hmm. You know, you know, you have a shot at winning, but maybe your probability of winning might be 20%. But then you know that they're going to be a center of excellence for customer experience. And the next time they have an, customer experience deal, you want to go after that one. So you want them to get to know you. You want them to see that you're willing to invest in the agency. Yeah, you want to get on the radar. Yeah, Exactly. So you still need a capture manager. But if you can get capture managers in-house and give them a little bit of time to learn your customer, learn what you do, and then, like you said, pull the trigger when it's time for a capture, um, you're much better off. And don't try to be cheap about it. You know, don't don't try to say I only want to give you money if you win or right. I'm going to give you 
it, it's sort of like paying minimum wage and then expecting people to knock it out of the ballpark for you because you said, right. if you do really well at the end of the year, I'm going to give you a nice bonus. But I'm not yeah. going to tell you what the bonus is, but I'm going to yeah. give you a nice bonus. Yeah. And then if they lose, you get nothing. So yeah. you're going to get probably not as – you're not going to get the top of the line the, the people to do your work if you don't treat them the way you want to treat them. And we're all in business to make a living. We're not in – yeah. And we're not, um, but but at the same time, if you have a client um, that you want them to grow, like I have a client right now, and, and she's a small business, but I really believe in her, and I know that she is going to triple her size if we do this right. I have an investment in it. I not I don't have a piece of her business. I don't, but I feel like an investment in it. Like I want mm-hmm. her to do so well. So I'm constantly looking out for opportunities to bring to her and it's not part of my retainer it's just because i care about her so if you find people that are passionate about your business passionate about you growing and don't try to just do it based on bonuses um you really it will will separate the 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 mediocre people from the people that really care about you no exactly keep them around keep them around don't you know you don't have to pay time for somebody to be uh, outsource capture manager we've got tons of flexibility in, in this but make an investment early on and just keep them around yeah oh really good points and you know this is it's funny because this is a real pet peeve of mine of the people that will ping me I usually get half a dozen maybe a dozen or so a month of people that will say hey will you work for a success fee or uh, a commission or a percentage of the deal or a whatever. And the answer is always no. This is, this is not our business model. And I, I've got an article that I reshared on LinkedIn today, right before we did this episode, because I got another email from somebody. And, and I say this not to, to rant to people, but I want business owners listening, senior VPs listening to understand how this works and how this doesn't, because I, I think it's very critical for your business to understand it's not because we're being cheap and it's not bad that you're being cheap, but you are being cheap. But the the challenge is when you don't have somebody who's invested, they're just, they don't care. You know, if I've got a client that doesn't want to pay me, you know, why should I spend time with them? Mm-hmm. I, I just shouldn't. And if you're not paying me, then how hard is it for me to get information out of you? It's hard enough when I have clients paying me to pull information out of them. The ones that are not paying me, they'll get to me when they get to me, but then they're the bottleneck on my success. So I I can't win because they're not facilitating my needs in any way. And so everyone's losing. So there are some companies that can structure around commission, whether it's, you know, there's brokers and, you know, insurance people or, or, or whatever financial people, but that's their business model. And that's the difference. You have to understand that's their business model. In this world and in most of the business, and I know this is slightly off topic, but it's it, it's very pertinent to the conversation here. You know, this is not our business model. So it's, it's not how we work and, and we shouldn't be structured that way. And it's not going to be successful for anybody. And so if you want somebody, you know, like Helene was saying, you know, to, to come in and stick around and have an investment in your company, you need to pay them well. You, you absolutely need to do it because, because I always throw it back, you know, from an, you know, if you're a senior VP, well, how about your boss just changes your model 
you know, greatly and, you know, makes it mostly success-based or better yet. How about your clients? You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they, they run, um, like a fiber optic business. And I said, well, well, what if you just ran everybody who used your fiber lines? What if you just ran that success base? You're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, at the end of the month, if I didn't feel like I enjoyed the fiber line, you know, like I didn't, I didn't really get enough out of my Netflix through streaming on your fiber line that I shouldn't have to pay all of it. Right. Like, well, that was your choice. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, it's the same thing, you know, like if you're not going to use it, to, you know, it, it's still there. It's still providing the same value. You're just, you just chose not to turn it on as much because you're making a lifestyle change. You know, it's agree. And early on, early on people, companies still approach me all the time about that. But early on, of course I felt guilty. Like, Oh, how yeah. can I walk away from a client? I just started out and yeah, yeah. and I realized that it would be in no one's interest for me to do that because there are losing captures that I will run for you because I know in the long run it's going to work out for you. So yep. pay me from pay us for our time. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I get calls all Saturdays and Sundays and evenings. I get the, the texts and I don't mind it. You know, as long yeah. as I have time, I don't mind. I certainly don't mind it, but um, I wouldn't. I, I guess I would hesitate to do that if I would only get paid if I win a capture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and you make a really good point there about investing in that, that customer, you know, I, we often tell people, and I think there are too many people out there that push the, the bid, no bid process. And it's a, a hard, fast line. Oh, it doesn't check these boxes. So we're not going to bid on it. Sometimes one of those check boxes that's more valuable than anything is the investment in the next opportunity. Yeah. So, hey, team, we know we're probably going to lose this. Right. We're going to go for it. But this is the investment in X contract. That contract is coming. We know it's coming. And we're only going to win it if we do this. Because exactly. we've got to put ourselves on that radar. We've got to do or, that. Or how about all the people that spend a lot of money winning a vehicle? So they get the vehicle. They get the IDIQ. And then the task orders start coming in. They're like, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do that one. Nah, we don't want to do that one. I got to guarantee you the next time that vehicle is um, exercised, you're not going to be an, a vehicle owner because yeah. they, you're not investing in the vehicle or in the agency. Yeah. No, that, make, that makes a lot of sense because I, I do see a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, they're so focused on getting the vehicle, you know, getting the license, and mm -hmm. yet they don't go hunt. Right. You know, like, nope, 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 nope. And and people re re recognize that. And, like, your client will notice, well, they're just not interested. Right. So why not have a capture manager that knows the vehicle, that knows the competition, that knows everything, and then when the task orders do come out, they, they bid them. Yep. No. And they're there to bid them. And, um, you know, th that's the, the whole thing that I've set up for for short-term capture yeah. so no all all super important stuff here so are, are there any other roles important for the capture manager or anything we've missed so far on this marketing marketing, marketing is very very important for capture managers we need people to help us shape the wind themes shape the messaging so we can shape the acquisition do we need our bd people to have those relationships so we can get to the right people to tell them Mm -hmm. You know, what we're actually going to sell. We, we need to pre-sell our solution. We need to 
you know, we, we have to do all of the shaping. Well, marketing is very important, and most companies don't get it. There's a place to invest in your story on how you will bid. What does your website say? You know, I go out to websites all the time to get intel for our competitors, hmm. and they put everything out there, everything. Well, yeah. You don't need to put everything out there. I mean, today I was out there, and I saw a whole price list, and now hmm. I know. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, but you do makes your job easier, right? I know, I love it. <laughs> uh, but you do need marketing support, and that's another thing that we can bring in and bring and take out. You don't need a full-time marketing company that works mm. at a capture, unless you have them. But um, even if you do, we will we capture people. Look at your website. We look at your what you're doing on LinkedIn, what you're doing on you know Facebook, what you're doing on. We look at that all the time because we know that the potential clients will look at it. Mm. And we need people who are professional marketing people to work captures because I, I am BD. I do know a little bit about marketing, but I don't, you know, I'm, I can't do advertising campaigns. Right. Um, but that's an investment that I feel very strongly. I don't care what company size you have. I think marketing is totally overlooked and very important. Mm. But it has to be in concert with your strategist or your, in my case, uh, capture strategist, um, because I know what I need to sell and I know what messages I want to use and I need people to help me craft them. Yeah. That's no, a way to really make a campaign. I think that's one of, you said the most overlooked. I, I totally agree. Cause you know, when I start working with a client, one of the first things I ask them is, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you sell? What value do you provide? And you just, you either get a complete deer in the headlights or you get somebody rattling off like their, their, so their statuses and all this. Well, you know, we're an IT company that is a service disabled, veteran owned, woman owned, small, 8A, this, that, and the other. And, and then they stop, and they're like, like, so, so I'll ask you again, what do you do? And they're like, I don't know. I thought I just told you. Okay. <laughs> like, I love when no. they say we're, we're founded in 19 in 2003. We're located in Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. And we're passionate about the mission of the United States government. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, okay, so. So what do you do? <laughs> why would the government pick you over all of the other competitors that are all small yeah. woman owned, disabled veteran hub zone? Yeah. And then you're right. You get the deer in the headlights. So that's when I start really kind of pulling it back with them and crafting why them no why no one else and then i need marketing to come in and, and help tell that story on social media on the right on the uh, artifacts that they would ha- we would hand out to clients and so forth yeah and it, it always feels like the scene in office space where the two bobs are sitting there going so tell me again what do you do and no matter what the answer is you're like okay so tell me again what do you do and exactly. and i and i say this and I, with all due respect to everybody listening who says, man, that's my response. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Here's the deal. You don't know any better because you've not been taught any different. And in fact, you've probably been taught this to do it this way. You've probably been taught that you need to start off with. We were founded in, in 2003 as a service disabled veteran owned small business hub zone. So, yeah, you know, I don't say what I'm saying here to disrespect any business owner that's listening, because I think most people have been taught 
by someone, whether it's a colleague or maybe even a mentor or somebody, they've been taught to start off with, hey, you know, we were founded in 2003. We're a small business, hub zone, veteran owned, whatever, who's passionate about government. I mean, that's probably what you've been taught because, hey, you know, you've got seven or eight seconds to make an impression. The problem is you've been taught the wrong thing because all you've been taught is to say the same thing that everybody else has been taught to say. And most people are not winning. And so that that's why you need somebody who understands marketing, who understands messaging. You know, th there's a difference between marketing and messaging and really getting to the bottom of who you are, the value you provide, and how you're going to help your customers. And so I think like you were talking about, just having those things work in concert together where that messaging is there is, is really important. So my my final question for you before we talk about a little bit more about what you do is we've we've kind of hinted at this a few times here of the the different roles you know there's the capture manager and the proposal person and all this i'm gonna assume that the average company listening is gonna go oh, that's a lot of money that's a lot of different roles so the the question for some companies that are smaller are going to be well, when can I afford this? And, you know, is, is hiring or outsourcing capture manager, is that for bigger companies? Is that for a certain threshold? Like what advice do you have for somebody listening on here uh, about when this makes sense to have this person on board? Good question. So um, when I first started, uh, you know, I went and everything I did was hourly. And mm. um, I had clients that, we're really concerned about that. Like, I'm paying for you to make an appointment or I'm paying for you to, I don't know, do paperwork or whatever. Um, and I realized that that wasn't the best model for every for everything. So um, we actually came up with uh, two strategies or two offerings that we really um, find helpful. One is called Capture Ready and one is called Capture Guide. So what Capture Ready is, is a um, is when you have a capture that you don't know where to start, or maybe you don't have, mm. your people are all really busy, and so you need someone to get the capture plan built, and then go away, you know, hand it off to your people, because you really should start a capture at least 18 months out. If you start mm. a capture a month before the RFP is, then don't do the capture, because you're not going to, you, mm. you might as well just write a proposal and hope it, the spaghetti sticks in the refrigerator. Right. Um, but if you do it early enough, you don't want someone to stay around for 18 months. That's very expensive. Mm -hmm. So you might have you might have someone come in and get the capture ready for the company to take it over. And uh, I also did this recently with a very large company, and it was their biggest capture they've ever gone after. So they said they needed an elephant in the room to come in and just make this happen. And I mm. went in. And I stayed around for about five months, six months, and then I built the capture plan. I did all of the things you need to do, the competitive analysis, the customer analysis, the solutioning, whatever. And then I built it into a robust capture plan, and then I transitioned it to the client. Um, so there's a way that you can save money. I mean, if it's a smaller capture, you can have them come in for a month and build it and then get it ready, get the capture plan built. The other way is what we call capture guide, which is an or it's usually on a retainer basis, and it it depends on how much time you need of somebody to see what it will cost. 
Um, and that person stays around for long term. So you know that this is an investment that you're going to make in this capture manager. So maybe you start off saying, okay, I'm going to pay $3,000 a month and you are my capture slash BD person. And it gives you time to work on the what do you do, what makes you different, on your mm. marketing plan, on your approach. And the capture managers, we all know how to do all of that. So we'll do that for for this period of time. And maybe it's a couple months or whatever. We can build your rolling pipeline for you. Uh, we can do all kinds of stuff because we're all salespeople. So you're paying a retainer. And the other thing as part of Capture Guide is that we can guide your capture managers. And we do this all the time. Well, we mentor capture managers. Hmm. So you may have a capture manager that maybe is maybe earlier in their career. Well, we're next to them, and we're saying, did you do this? Did you do that? Maybe you should yeah. do this. Oh, have you thought of that? Well, again, this is still part of that retainer, and it's an investment that you're making. And, you know, I have a client that I've been there for about a year and a half, and, again, I'm passionate about them. I'm always looking for companies they may want to buy or vehicles. How do they get vehicles? Maybe yeah. they want to assume a vehicle. or um, And they pay me monthly, and I am their capture person that does all kinds of stuff for them, even the voice of the customer. And um, and I care about them greatly because they're investing in me and I invest in them. So I would say that if you're, a, if you're maybe a smaller business and you, you know you need this, then put some, some money aside on a monthly basis that you're going to pay for your consultant who is a business development, sales, capture strategist, and consultant. And you know that that's money that you are going to invest every month. And then if a capture comes up, let's say it's a big capture and you know you're going to need them to work more than just 10 hours a month or something, then you're going to flip over to the capture ready where you're actually going to pay on an hourly basis for that capture. Well, the beauty of that is that you know you can use BMP money and you know that, that was com that's going to come out of the bid and proposal bucket so you can plan for it. Hmm. Yeah, so, no, that, that's a really good breakdown of the differences, you know, kind of like the, the pre versus the active during acquisition type roles uh, of what would happen there. Do, do you have a recommendation for like how big a capture is to, to use this resource? Cause I, I know, again, I know some of the people listening are earlier stage in their business and trying to think, you know, what do I use this for everything? Do I use this for, you know, bigger IDIQ type opportunity? Like when do I use this? I would say that what I tell clients is use Capture Guide as much as you can, um, especially even for an IDIQ. That's a perfect place to spend uh, just monthly retainer money because we will be there and you can have somebody else that is actually running that capture. And the reason is because you know it's worth nothing. An IDIQ is worth yep. maybe a dollar. Yeah. So do you really want to spend... Do you really want to chart, um, be able to have to spend for a capture manager X number of dollars an hour to run a capture that at the end of the day when you win, you'll have you'll get zero value uh, or zero return on investment until you bid the task orders? So yeah. I always recommend to people that if you're going to use a uh, our capture guide and you're going to use somebody to be there on the long term, do that for smaller task orders and where you can train your own people or even yourself on how to run the smaller captures and use it for positioning, use it for business development, use it for anything you can use and for IDIQ, for capturing IDIQs. 
and then flip over to Capture Ready when it's, um, it depends on your company size. I mean, for me, a $20 million uh, contract is probably my recommended cutoff because anything less than that, by the time you take all of it out and, and you give out the subs and all of that, you're not going to mm. make much money off of these smaller ones. Right. But if you're a $5 million company, a $2 million task order is pretty darn important. Yeah, it and is. And you may want to outsource that um, and you know, because you don't know how to do it. And maybe uh, right. in time you'll know how to do it right. But so you re there's really no hard line, but I'd say look at the size of your company and figure out uh, when it's worth spending the money yeah. for a capture manager. Um, otherwise, I recommend Capture Guide for every company I've ever met because every one of them can benefit from having your a strategist or a capture manager that knows you better than they know anybody else. Yeah, and you know I I thought I was done with questions, but I have one more. So okay. you, you brought up something really good there as you're talking about the IDIQs where, you know, they, they really aren't worth anything except for on paper. It looks good. You have that. I think if you're going through an acquisition where you're, you're selling your company, it looks good that you have these. It is a contract vehicle. That's nice. But if you don't have a strategy to win task orders, that's where the problem is. So I, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. You tell me if I'm right or wrong and clarify it however you need to. Should a good capture manager who's working in IDIQ also be building a plan for how you're actually going to win task orders once once you have the vehicle? <laughs> if I run a capture that's an IDIQ, in reality, yes, I should be working up a plan. But I would say that in every time you go after an IDIQ, they have your typical thing. Besides past performance, they say, how would you manage it? You know, what's your management plan for the vehicle? And that's part of the uh, the story of yeah. winning the vehicle. So you have to come up with a plan on how you're going to go after those task orders because yeah. you have to write about it because they're not going to give it to somebody who's not going to who they think is not going to bid task orders. Right. So again, um, that's a great place to if you want to hire a capture manager to do it, that's great. But if you want to have this mentor, they will come up with they will be there for you to help you come up mm. with your management plan. Yeah. So. Regardless, it's the story of how you do it. But, you know, if a company's going to go after a vehicle, they probably already have a, or they should have a PMO engine already uh, where they're going to go at, where they're going to talk about how they're going to bid task orders. Um, I just think people are uh, just not thinking it through and they go after vehicles um, to have the vehicle. Yeah. But I will say, I agree with you one place, uh, especially, is if you win a vehicle because you want to get acquired. Uh, lots of companies buy companies because they have the vehicle. So the more vehicles you have, the more uh, more attractive you are to be bought. As yeah. long as uh, I caution all of your listeners, make sure that you novate the contract once you are once you buy one, because I you know that, that's a whole other story. But you yeah. can go and buy one. And then you can't bid it because you never innovated it. Yeah, and so. we just did a podcast uh, with Steve Meredith from the PTAC in Pennsylvania on contract innovation. Um, so people can go listen to that if you don't know what that is. A lot of people, when you throw that out there, they're like, what is that? You know, that is very, very important when you're selling a company. And so here's, here's the thing I always tell people. If you are just winning IDIQs so that you can be more attractive in an acquisition process, here's the deal. 
let's say you get five IDIQs, you've not won any task orders, and I'm just going to throw a number out here. Let's say your your company's worth ten million in that in that perspective. Here's the difference: if you win the same IDIQ but start winning task orders and have a plan to execute on more. Your valuation can go from 10 to 20, 30, 40 million dollars or more or more. The the value is not in having the vehicle. The value is having the plan to actually make money off the vehicle. So, yes, you can get your 10 million dollars for your company, but what if you could get 40? Exactly. That's that's the difference. And without that plan, you're going to get the bare minimum. And if I'm on the other end, I'm going to haggle all day because you haven't been successful. Those are the ones I want. I want to acquire a company that hasn't been successful because if I have somebody who's maxed out their potential, what room is there for me to grow it? So, exactly, but, I, but but if I but if you want to get bought, you want to be able to say I have the vehicle and I have yeah. 20 task orders on that vehicle. So if you buy me, you're going to get the 20 task orders. Yeah. And with yeah. all that past performance and all that money, then, you know, then you're more you're more attractive. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how you make it more attractive. That's how you make more money out of that. So all really, really good stuff here. I, any final thoughts as we wrap up here today? Um, I just would say it's really important to understand that capture people are not uh, just good at running, building a capture plan and running action items through status reports. A good capture manager really has had to do all of the jobs. Uh, they had to have been business development. They had to have run programs. doesn't even hurt if they... Like I was in the government for a while. It doesn't hurt to be able to say, I know how government people think. Yeah. Um, also, capture people have to be on associations and they have to have relationships and because they have to be rainmakers out there for you. Hmm. And I would say also invest early in a capture manager. Don't don't try to save nickels and dimes as we talked about with this uh, winning you know win bonuses. Just understand that if you invest early and you build a relationship. They are going to be out there. They're going to be looking yep. out for you all yep. the time. Yep. No, really important stuff. So thanks for coming on today and talking about this. I think you helped shed some light on this whole role and kind of how it's, it really is an unknown for most people. And there's a lot of confusion out it out there about it. And we, we really do, uh, as much as we talk about not doing it, we really do believe in outsourcing stuff like this when you do it right. And so I, I, I think today is really help people understand how to do it right and give them a source so, you know, they can reach out to you if they have questions about this and um, how to go about it. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on today. Yes, thank you. Before we get out of here today, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you want to get more out of your government contracting business? Do you feel like you need an edge or some new insights? Are you just looking for maybe even some motivation in the right direction because maybe you're at a plateau? Well, if you said yes to any of those, maybe it's time you join Federal Access and you can start your journey with us today for free. Federal Access is our online training and education knowledge base for government contractors. There's everything you'll ever need to win government contractors in there, including support. But free members can start out with a couple of really basic awesome tools. One of them is our on-demand training videos called Strategy Playbooks. There's more than 60 training videos designed to boost your government skills by covering tips, strategies, market updates, 
and a whole lot more. And new videos are added monthly. So there's always new content coming in for our free members there. You can also get access to 12 key government sales templates and strategy documents to include a step-by-step -step market sales strategy document, a teaming and subcontracting questions to ask document, and two capability statement templates. So you can just plug in your information and rock and roll from there. So those uh, those tools right there are kind of a preview of everything that's in Federal Access. Overall, there's a little over 250 documents in the system right now, but you'll get access to those 12 key documents. You'll get access to the, the 60 plus playbooks and the growing library of that is. All you have to do is visit federal-access.com forward slash join. Uh, the link is also going to be in the description of this podcast, so you can go back later and click on that, but that's federal-access.com forward slash join. So again, if you're feeling stuck in your business, if you feel like you need an edge or some new insights, or you just feel like maybe there's some gaps of knowledge that you 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 just you don't even know what you don't know, right? Something along those lines, then join Federal Access today for free, federal-access.com forward slash join. Join today for free so you can get access to all of that cool content and see everything else in there that some of the paid members get. So you actually, there'll just be a little gold lock over the paid features and you can upgrade uh, whenever you like. Until next time, thanks for joining us on this episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to get notifications of new episodes. And while you're there, we would also appreciate it if you'd take a minute to write us an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app that is that you use. So thank you again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.